You're listening to Energy 360 from the Energy and National Security Program at CSIS. I'm Sarah Ladislaw, your host. Today's podcast is part of a project that we're conducting called Energy in America, where we explore the important ways that the energy landscape is changing at the state and local level. Today, we're taking another look at energy developments in Pennsylvania, which has seen a massive increase in natural gas production in the last decade, changes to the electric power sector that are impacting the entire region, and growth in the energy and innovation and technology space. Our guest this week is Denise Brindley, Senior Energy Advisor for the Pennsylvania Department of Community and Economic Development. In this role, Denise assists the agency with creating investment, business development, and recruitment strategies for Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad to be joining you. So, Denise, you focused on Pennsylvania's ability to turn its vast array of energy resources uh, into long-term competitive opportunities to benefit the people of Pennsylvania. In doing this, you probably talk with a lot of different energy stakeholders. Can you talk a little bit about how these different stakeholders, interest groups, private citizens view the energy space in Pennsylvania and what visions they have for the future of energy? Sure, Sarah. I think before I answer that question directly, it's probably worthwhile to explain that Pennsylvania has a rich history in energy. We have been involved in the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. We have plentiful natural resources, and those natural resources have really driven our economic story over the last 50 to 75 years. So right now, we are in the midst of what I'd call a pretty significant energy transition, and it's placed Pennsylvania in an interesting bullseye. With regard to coal, we're seeing quite a bit of coal-fired power plant retirements across the Commonwealth. Uh, We have a natural gas revolution happening simultaneously, and that natural gas has um, really positioned Pennsylvania to be perhaps not just a domestic provider, but also an international provider of our natural gas resources. And then, of course, we have a strong renewables portfolio. We were one of the first states to deploy wind. We have an alternative energy portfolio standard. We've just closed our borders for solar, which should help to gain momentum in solar as well. Mm -hmm. And so as part of our rich and diverse energy history, it it does lend itself to communication within those types of generation sources. So overall, the energy story in Pennsylvania and our stakeholders in particular have a strong opinion of where our energy resources are most valuable, and it really depends on what box they're sitting in. Part of what we're doing here at the Department of Community and Economic Development is looking at energy across the value chain, and so looking at how each of those different types of energy generation systems allow for economic growth. And that is going across a horizontal platform, which we think is a good way to maximize economic development around our resources. And have you found that this like horizontal platform approach or thinking about energy systems is helping to overcome some of the competing visions that you kind of describe depending on which particular energy resource you're either advocating for or is important to your local community uh, over the period of time that you've been doing this? And, and as you mentioned, this energy is not new to Pennsylvania. So have you started to see that some of those divisions are coalescing into a, a, a bigger vision for Pennsylvania? In some ways, yes. 
I think we have different interests in how our energy resources are deployed. And for example, in industries that utilize a lot of power, they are looking for resiliency and they're looking for power generation that's consistent and that allows their businesses to operate. And then we have other interests that are more aligned with cleaner energy sources. Mm -hmm. Can all of those things happen from one type of energy resource? Probably not. At least we're not there technologically just quite yet. It doesn't mean we can't all advance and move forward from a technological standpoint to address everyone's needs in one bucket, but our governor has been promoting the diversity of Pennsylvania's energy resources since he took office. It is part of our energy history. It's part of our story. It's the way that we can compete economically is to have different energy sources to provide what the people of Pennsylvania need, either to run their businesses or to own their homes. Mm-hmm. At some point, as we approach the, tra- the grand transition um, that's happening with regard to energy across the board, I do think that there will be a time and a place to have a clearer energy direction and future for Pennsylvania. But right now, we're looking at all the ways and means we can rely on our energy sources to provide power for the future. You know, Denise, one of the things that's also important about Pennsylvania is it is such an important energy state, Not, and that means something for not just Pennsylvania, but also the states around it. Um, you guys have been working with some of your neighboring states to develop some of your energy programs. Can you talk about how Pennsylvania has been working with like Ohio and West Virginia on some energy-related economic development projects? Sure. I'm happy to reflect on that. In 2015, Governor Wolf signed a memorandum of understanding with the governors of Ohio and West Virginia. And we refer to this as the the formation of the Tri-State Shale Coalition. And that Tri-State Shale Coalition operates under an agreement to focus on a couple of different things. One is workforce. The second is infrastructure, shared infrastructure that would need to get built out to help support the long-term growth of the region. Research and innovation and marketing the region broadly and holistically. The Tri-State Shale Coalition was designed to be the mechanism by which all three states worked collaboratively to bring an economic opportunity to the Marcellus Utica Shale Basin. The reason why it's important is that we've agreed that while we might compete with each other on individual investments, we will market the region holistically. We will help each other with shared infrastructure when it's necessary to grow an industry. We will share the opportunities in workforce development among all three states because it's a shared labor shed. And we will utilize the strength and power of our universities to forge into new directions of research and innovation to provide sort of that shared common platform of high-tech and and R&D for the basin. It's really important for us to do this collectively. It's really hard to compete with the United States Gulf Coast, which has really most of the business when it comes to what you can do with natural gas liquids, which is the the primary asset of the Marcellus Utica Basin. And that asset really has been piped out to other regions for them to do the petrochemical processing. So the proposition here is that we can do it in 
the tri-state shale region, and we can work collaboratively to help bring those opportunities to light. Yeah, so you mentioned Marcellus and Utica, and and clearly natural gas production and NGL production in Pennsylvania and the region has really put the region on the map, not only in the United States as, you know, one of the largest producer of both gas and NGLs, but also, you know, a a world-class resource holder as well. You've had some investment. Shell has started the construction on a $6 billion ethane cracker plant. There's been some studies that say that the state could support much more than that. It seems like this tri-state effort is a big part of what you've been doing to try and make sure that the region has a regional approach to attracting this kind of investment. But is there other things that you guys have been doing to expand natural gas use in markets as well? Yes, that's a big, broad question, but I'll try to tackle it for you. Um, <laughs> let's start starting first with natural gas, because there's there's two different opportunities in front of us with Marcellus and Utica. One is the natural gas fuel source, and the other is the natural gas liquid feedstock source. Mm-hmm. So on the natural gas use opportunity, what we'd really like to see, not just in the southwestern part of the state, but all over Pennsylvania, any opportunities to bring natural gas into our communities to help with heat and power directly would be a great opportunity because we believe that the natural gas will be um, a less expensive fuel and that can be an economic catalyst. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at energy intensive manufacturing. We're looking at deployment of natural gas to homes and businesses for heating sources. Uh, We've also seen some power plants that have cropped up, um, and those are other economic opportunities as well. So that's the natural gas use piece. On the natural gas liquid proposition, that is primarily reserved for the southwestern part of the state and Marcus Hook in Philadelphia. There are numerous natural gas liquids that can be used in petrochemical manufacturing operations, and the primary one is ethane, and that was the the, um, primary focus of the IHS report that we commissioned back in 2016. 16. That particular report was an eye-opening report in that it identified that Pennsylvania is exporting 100% of its ethane to other markets. Mm. And until the Shell Pennsylvania Chemicals facility comes online, that will continue to be the case. So really, the proposition that IHS proposed to us is about changing that dynamic and instead building and growing an industry right here in the tri-state region. We certainly have the manufacturing base, we have the workforce to support it, and we have the raw material at its lowest cost. And that's primarily why Shell made a $6 billion investment in Beaver County, is because they had access to a feedstock right underneath their feet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're focusing taking the Shell investment and the IHS report, and as a region, we are looking to support additional types of facilities that would be modeled after what Shell has done. And there's one that we're really hopeful will come to final investment decision, and that's PTT Global Chemical in Ohio. So this is a Pennsylvania representative stating that an investment of that magnitude in Ohio will help Pennsylvania because we have a shared workforce, because the investment that is made there will be a catalyst for additional manufacturing that transcends the borders. It well, and it feeds back, right, the idea that the opportunities, if approached by a region, will be that much bigger. One of the things you mentioned earlier, Denise, which I'm sure is something you spend time focusing on, is the closure of coal-fired power plants, given Pennsylvania's long history of coal production and also use in the electric power sector. What are some of the 
challenges that are related to that part of your portfolio and sort of what to do with communities that are affected by those by sort of the downturn in the on the mining operations side, but also how it affects uh, utilities and different folks in terms of the closing of the power generation units, the redeveloping of decommissioned power plants, all those sorts of things. How, how are you sort of dealing with that side of the portfolio? There's a good and bad to the decommissioning process for coal-fired power plants. First and foremost, when a power plant closes, it leaves a hole in the community. It leaves a hole with regard to jobs, and it leaves the potential for a mothballed property. And these properties are like old traditional brownfields in the sense that they may or may not have minor environmental contamination that has to be addressed. They generally still have the structures still attached to the site, which requires demolition and and potentially some aspects of abatement. But it it leaves a hole in the community. And, And that was something that the Department of Community and Economic Development wanted to address when we started to take note that we've had 14 coal-fired power plants that have closed over the last decade or so. So we have funding from the Economic Development Administration to do playbooks at each coal-fired power plant, as many as we can, I suppose, (laughs) in cooperation with the power companies that own the site. So what we do is send consulting teams in to these sites, and they do an economic repositioning analysis for the Commonwealth. And the end users of these are developers. So this is sort of the advanced work that a developer would do to start to put together a pro forma on the property. They'll know what assets exist there from a utility standpoint, from an infrastructure standpoint, what potential money might be required to get the site pad ready for redevelopment. And then most importantly, what the highest and best use of the property could be given the regional market dynamic. So we're doing, again, some advanced work to get this information into the hands of developers. And the reason why this is so important is because this is some of the best real estate that Pennsylvania has to offer. These power plants are sitting on rivers. They have a road network. They have rail on all of them because that's how they got coal to the site. They're generally 100 plus contiguous acres and they're industrially zoned. So they really provide a unique and exciting opportunity for the next sort of 21st century redevelopment opportunities. We're on the verge of finishing our third right now, and they're available for public consumption if anyone's interested in reading them. And we've been sharing them with interested developers and getting them out into the marketplace so that when investors are looking here, they know they have a good opportunity in terms of industrial property. Well, that's exciting. Denise, I wanted to ask you one more question based on something you said at the outset of the conversation, which is the governor's approach to promoting a diversity of energy resources and the fact that you have, you know, an alternative uh, energy portfolio standard and you've just made, you know, some changes on the solar side. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the renewable energy side of the equation as well? Because I know you've got some tremendous resources, not just on the natural resource side of the equation, but also in terms of your university system and other things uh, focusing on, you know, maybe the sort of new and renewable side of the equation as well. Can you talk a little bit about the activities you've got going on there? Sure. We'll start with the the basics, which are that the governor is supportive of a diverse energy system, one that includes a strong renewable portion of the portfolio. That is important to 
the Fortune 500 companies that are looking at states to make investments. The renewable piece of an individual state's portfolio matters. And so we do look at that and, and we're trying to make changes where necessary to amplify the opportunities for investment in renewables. One thing I would mention in all of this is Pennsylvania, one of our great strengths is the strength of our universities. And I'm going to talk about Pittsburgh for a second, not to leave out other parts of the state, but Pittsburgh in general really you can shine a bright spotlight on their own energy ecosystem within the various universities that are in the Pittsburgh and greater Pittsburgh area. So schools like Carnegie Mellon University and the University of Pittsburgh have put a strong emphasis on energy holistically. And I think what we're seeing happening there is this convergence of various sources of energy generation and production being tackled in the context of higher and new technologies. One of the primary ways that Pittsburgh is driving innovation is through combined heat and power. They have a proposal to do combined heat and power at the airport where they have natural gas right on site from Consol Wells. Mm -hmm. And it's likely that they'll integrate renewables into that as well. In Pittsburgh in general, they have a district energy strategy that they're looking at, ways and means to combine things like combined heat and power, energy efficiency, and renewables. So the idea that we're no longer talking about one energy source as being the way to drive carbon down. It's actually a combination of sources. It's the best and most efficient ways of using natural gas and combining that with a renewables platform in the same area. So this is sort of the exciting next generation. It's, I would say it's distributed generation or microgrid development that is no longer seeking, you know, electric power directly from the grid and instead giving large areas or large sites the opportunity to develop their own power and to do that in a way that is the most energy efficient and provides opportunities for the renewables catalyst piece. With Denise, you know, as you know, our team has been spending some time getting to know all of the activity going on in Pennsylvania. And I'll say just, you know, from our observations, there's just such a huge amount of, of positive activity in the area. It's been a real delight to be able to get to know more about it and, and get in touch with the folks that are, you know, working to try and make sure that Pennsylvania can, and the region can sort of reap all the benefits from the energy resources. Just want to say thank you for sharing your insights and keeping us up to date on your work towards Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's energy future. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast today. And it's always a great day when we get to talk about Pennsylvania and the strong tech and innovation aspect of what we're doing here and taking our energy resources and trying to drive opportunities in the 21st century. So we appreciate the, uh, the time that you've given us. Great. Thank you so much. Again, I'm Sarah Ladislaw with the CSIS Energy and National Security Program. And thanks for listening to Energy 360.